0: The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. What's up, guys? Welcome into Football and Random Things. I'm Connor Ferguson here with Jeff Woody and Colin Newell uh, here in the Wild Rose Casino uh, in Jefferson. Uh, We're not in Jefferson. But I'm just reading off a computer, and I'm still not very good at it. So, this is the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast <laughs> Network, fueled by Cody Road. We are once again presented today by Wiffles Hybrids. Uh, really appreciate them hopping on to uh, get to do this every week. Sorry, I missed last week, but uh, okay. we're, we're all back and uh, we're ready to talk some psyhawk. Hey, it's, lear- it's
1: a learning opportunity. It's uh, it's the best podcast that we've done against Iowa. There we go. That's a that's a meta joke. From Campbell's postgame comments, glad that landed. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> I'm here all week. Man,
0: man, uh, that got some fans uh, riled up on Saturday night. Just you don't know? pay attention to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just to you know dissect that, and we'll actually get into football a little bit here, but I, I think a big part of that is Matt Campbell's using, uh, quote-unquote, the media. I hate using that term, but using that avenue to relay to his team that he, he is proud of how that young team played at least in that game for how tough that game is despite the loss obviously
2: I think that there's a couple 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 plays in that game that obviously made a difference in the outcome of the game but uh I, I thought overall they did play halfway decent pretty pretty good there yeah I,
1: my assessment is pretty much how I expected it to go defense honestly played better than I thought they would because uh, I did going in thinking like McNamara can sling it a little bit. And the fact that I think he had 12 completions in the entire game, they had an Iowa had nine first downs in the entire game. Like defense played better than I expected. Rocco actually held his own really well. Um, I thought the offensive line, offensive line and tight ends were very hit or miss throughout the day, but they also have a really tough matchup. Just the, the way that Iowa plays it's, it's tough. So I don't know. It's, it, I'm not disappointed with how they played. It just sucks losing to Iowa because there's no surprise. It's like, you walk into a room, you know, you're, when you go into that room, there's going to be a guy who says, I'm going to punch you in the face now. And you know that the guy's going to punch you in the face. And yet you still get punched in the face. Like knowing full well that when you walk into the room, you're going to get punched in the face. And you just still do like, that's the frustrating part is knowing that it happens again and again. That's I think where the frustration comes from. But if you get rid of that thinking, just playing Iowa state against an opponent and that opponent being good, not that bad of a game, all things considered.
2: Yeah. I think about Iowa and we saw it once again is they don't make mistakes. They're in their gaps, their gap sound. They don't let the big play happen. Um, and, and that's exactly what we saw this week. And, uh, I think that there's some some great things that we took away from that we were able to move the ball a little bit and um defense was just played out outstanding yeah absolutely and there's
0: you know some plays you can point to where and i don't want to just list off the mistake plays and name the players um but those guys and uh the people know who they are you know took credit for saying like i made that mistake you know it's in rocco back said it's an overtime game if i don't throw that interception so um they certain things where you know if you would have prevented the big play that's what i would did the entire game and somehow some way they they play about as close to mistake free football as it gets
1: well their entire the entire defensive scheme is predicated on the fact that i don't think that you can drive 13 plays without screwing up that's the the whole thing like that's their whole scheme it's why so they're most of the time going to play cover four every once in a while play cover three or cover two very rarely are they going to play anything other than those deep shell coverages. They also instruct their safeties like because they trust their line, defensive line to hold the offensive line and tight ends enough that they're running run, linebackers are going to be playing get making most of the tackles, whether it's the guy playing in space. Who's sort of like a nickel hybrid. I think that was Castro. Well, they would just bop back and forth as 10 or 39 were the ones that did it in 34 is the middle linebacker. Those guys are going to make most of the tackles, So they trust the safeties don't have to be involved. So what are they going to the, do with the safeties? play over the top of everything that's why most of the time like not to bring up something that's uncomfortable is the intercept the the year that you guys played them and brock through i think three or four picks the reason why those interceptions happen is because they're playing a general zone coverage they're having their safeties play way over the top most of the time and if you throw something underneath that isn't dead precise and that ball gets tipped because they're playing over the top they're going to be able to get that interception so those tip interceptions are meant to be there and then a lot of people have been wondering, like, why don't why don't you take shots against this defense? You kind of can't. Like, the whole point of this defense is to not allow those things to happen. So until you have Chris Olave, you're probably not going to like, and CJ Stroud to chuck it down the field against Chris Olave. Like, you're probably not going to have that happen. So to beat Iowa, you have to do what they did on the first and last drives of the game, which is seven yards, six yards, four yards, 12 yards, four yards, 12 yards, six yards, 11, whatever. You have to just do that down the field because the entire defensive scheme that they execute and do do it really well is designed to not let you take those big shots. I'm I'm glad
0: you brought that up and and phrased it like that because one of my biggest takeaways walking out of that game was that they would chunk their play up the field and get into about the 30 yard line or so on first or second down. They either have a run, go for a loss of yardage, or they try to throw a ball, you know, 15-yard route, and it gets dropped. And after that, any of those plays, it was a drive killer. Yeah. The entire game. It's because you get behind the chains. It
2: doesn't, it's hard. Getting behind the chains against that defense, especially, you know, they can pass rush. I mean, that offensive line, another week with no sacks and and limited QB hits and stuff like that. So it's cool to see that offensive line take that, I think Aiden said one of seven teams in the country. Is that right? Ten. One of seven or so teams in the country that uh, hasn't given up a sack this year. So um, that's ob- obviously a welcome sight. And um, a lot of credit goes out the offensive line and, and those running backs and tight ends for getting that uh, cleaned up there.
0: I didn't want to ask you guys, because I walked in, you both were obviously on the last one here every week. Absolutely really right. how it goes. <laughs> yep. uh, you guys were breaking down the run game. Why was the run not as successful as it should have been throughout
1: the day? Um, okay, so we have to go back to the understanding what Iowa does and why they are so good. So a couple things the th- the way Iowa runs their defense when they play that really high shell so it's cover 4 or cover 2 or cover 3 they're playing deep safeties but they're going to leave everything underneath and we have we talked about last week with Iowa playing a two gap style on the defensive line which is if you have a really solid defensive line that can play two gap that means most of the time double teams aren't going to be able to get up to the linebackers which means the linebackers can more or less run free which is why running in the middle Running up the middle usually against Iowa doesn't work is because you have defensive linemen that are standing their ground against a guard and let's say Colin then comes to help the guard on move this defensive lineman, but there's not enough movement because. Iowa's defensive line is playing a dead square. They're holding that guard's line or maybe even getting a little bit of a pushback. So you as the center have to help him longer. You can't get up to the linebacker. And by the time you would get up to the linebacker, that guy's already made a scrape or made a, gotten down to where the running back is. And it's just a mass. There's just a pile in the middle. So the linebackers can play free and the defensive line is gonna play a two gap. Second thing about this is that Iowa state at this point against Iowa has shown tendencies that Iowa knows. And so like, if you're wherever the tight ends are, there are sometimes keys to where you need to put where Iowa will put an extra defender. And so that extra defender, whether it's on a run blitz or whether that's going to be putting him outside the tight end and caving in the tight end, meaning he's lined up on the tight ends outside shoulder and his job, instead of the, the tight end needs to move him out his entire job. He's not trying to make a tackle because he's he knows that the linebackers behind him are going to make the tackle. His entire job is to take that tight end and throw him into the guards legs of just push everything in and then Cooper DeJean, who or whatever they one of their corners or outside with scrape players is going to play underneath. So defensive line does a really good job with two gap linebackers do a really good job scraping and Iowa has shown an, an, an understanding of where Iowa State's tendencies are to where to put the extra player. All that being said, they still ex- they executed okay, but they got themselves in too many situations where it is obvious whether it's going to be a run or a pass. So it's really hard to run the ball when most of your third downs are eight, third and eight or wherever, whether that's a seven yard run on first down and then a three yard loss on second down, and now you're third and seven, no run threat at all.
2: Yeah, I think I think just efficiency on, on offense and defense, too, against that team is, is so critical. When you get behind the sticks, kind of like what he talked about, it, it get the, your playbook goes from 100 plays to 25 plays. Um, and, and,
1: and Iowa probably knows what those 25 plays
2: are. Yeah, and, and those numbers obviously aren't accurate, but just saying like, hey, you, you limit yourself on what you can do, um, and, and that makes everyone's job a little bit harder because when someone knows what you're going to do, you can't, you can't have that sneak attack or anything like that. So I think just the, the fact that um, some of those plays early early downs weren't as efficient as possible um, really created some situations where Iowa's defense then has, has a leg up. But I thought that there was overall offensively some growth there.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that you think about is like, if this is the strongest test that you're going to encounter defensive, this, this will be the best defensive line yes. that Iowa State plays defense. all season, mm-hmm. best defense generally except maybe texas as far as talent is concerned uh but this is going to be the best test that iowa state has all year and they held up okay like Mm -hmm. the problem is so like so when i was mentioning that iowa state or iowa's entire defense is just predicated on not screwing up and making you drive all the way down the field here are just the not not yards this is just the number of plays in a drive and just listening to how different the numbers are so 15 play drive four play drive five then Three and out three and out two play interception 11 plays six plays three plays eight plays 14. so it's not like they're all three and outs and it's not like they're all 15 play drives but at some point you go from first and on the longer drives first and 10 second and two take a shot convert on third down Mm -hmm. or first and 10 second and two first down you move the ball but at, at some point in that drive if you get first and 10 second and 13 whether that's a QB hit, whether that's you miss a block, whether that's uh, they send a blitz, you don't pick it up, whatever. And you get behind the sticks. you Are you going to run the ball in second and 13? Makes it tough. Makes it tough. You're probably not. So now you have to get into a throwing situation or you're going to run like something as like a draw-ish because you can maybe get a little bit of yards somewhat. But because you're in these behind-the-stick situations, you're that's why Iowa, it is it is the most annoying, boring-ass defense to play against but if you get behind the sticks it limits your offense substantially even on second down and so if there's one negative play in a drive then you have to make a herculean pass or herculean play to get back ahead of the sticks to get back in rhythm so like that's the problem that was happening is you are right on seven plays and there were some good runs like sama had a couple good runs norton had a couple good yep. runs yep. it's not like they didn't move the ball it's just that every once in a while you have a negative play and on that negative play against iowa it's not second and 12 all right let's get six back on this one let's get another six in the next play it's like shit if we don't get eight on this then w- there's no chance we can convert on fourth down so you start pressing it's just Everything gets out of whack when you get behind the sticks and all it takes is one missed block somewhere to have that happen. And like you guys said, you obviously have,
0: you know, this playbook where there's tells for at least for Iowa's defense against Iowa State. And how much does that get shrunk when this was the first game Rocco Beck played against a power five defense?
2: I felt like Rocco had good control out there. I don't feel like there was anything from what I could tell right. that they were like, Oh, we don't like this play. Obviously the one miscue there, but other than that, I, I felt like he played a pretty solid game. He um, commanded commanded the offense pretty well. He I mean that's a great defense that they went out and played against and um threw a touchdown, great. And mm-hmm. then, you know, he played well. He had that, that big ball to Higgins and um I think he I think he did exactly what you have to against that Iowa defense to Take away that one one mistake there, and I think he did a great job of um, being able to see the field. You know, it is the dump down passes, kind of like Woody said. You're not probably going to go and throw the ball down the field a ton against Iowa, um, and take take what the what the opponent gives you. Yeah, and, and the other thing
1: about this is that like it didn't help in, and I'm not this isn't in any way an excuse. The way the game was officiated leans towards Iowa because one of the things that you can do against Iowa, when given the chance, which is why Iowa State with Xavier Hutchinson last year. Was able to do it. Riley Moss is playing in the NFL for a reason. He's a damn good corner. But if you're able to, if if you're gonna call the physicality that Iowa has as holding or as pass interference, if that's the way the game's gonna be officiated, it allows you to then take chances because they're going Iowa will put their secondary in positions where one-on-ones are there, they say, Hey Cooper, you're gonna have to win this one-on-one against this tight end, or you're gonna have to win this one-on-one against a wide receiver or whatever but if they're letting the defensive backs which iowa state got away with it too like the, the pick by jeremiah cooper probably was a dpi in most other games but it wasn't so that that's the way they're letting him play so like if the way the game was officiated the fur on that first drive the one that ended up in the blocked field goal uh Jaden higgins was in the end zone and the the corner was like grabbing his arm they didn't call it but then they didn't turn around and call it the other way but if they're going to allow Iowa to be that physical down the field where do the opportunities come from you know you want to run down the field you want to take a big shot somewhere and like I was listening to Sage Rosenfels on uh, the CW or yep. the, the podcast yep. with Chris Williams talking about quarters beaters like they exist and Iowa State's offensive line has done a decent enough job at protecting Rocco to give him enough time to throw it down the field were they to do that and a quarters beater is you just have to grab the eyes of one of the middle safeties and then Throw a, you can throw a post behind him because you're presumably going to be in a better position on the corner as long as the safety's out of the way so cover four just take one of the if you put four fingers out take your one of the two middle fingers and put it down and you're trying to throw it to the the one just on the outside of that so you can throw a post to that route but if they're going to allow you to be physical and grab and hold like we saw there was another one there was a wheel route they tried to throw to, to brahmer bramer um bramer right bramer so there's a, a wheel route they tried to throw to bramer dejean's got the back of his jersey but they're allowing that. And so if you're trying to run this big post and trying to catch the eyes of the safety underneath, but that corner's allowed to mug the receiver all the way down the field, where does the opportunity come from? So the way the game was officiated, plus the way that Iowa plays defense, plus the situations that getting behind the sticks once or twice happens, that's why you can't take shots down the field. It's because the whole game was set up for that. Now, that benefited Iowa State on the other side, because there were times when like, when the, the PBU that... uh Jeremiah Cooper had in the end zone on Lachey he kind of grabbed his left hand Mm -hmm. Cooper's left hand was on Lachey's back and kind of like got his right hand up out in front of it so that if they're if you're calling it ticky tack if you're calling it a little bit tighter, that's probably a defensive pass interference, but they let it go both ways. So that style prevented Iowa State from being
2: able to take shots down the field and the way that iowa's defense plays i think that benefits us too i mean our safeties are big strong physical dudes that come into the box and they can tackle i mean for sure between jeremiah cooper and and both Bo ryler they they both had great games and we're in there making what 16 tackles plus combined and um when you can go in there and you can allow those two to be physical in the back end with malik and and then tj and uh, miles as well um i think there's just great opportunities for us to uh Kind of show what that back half of that defense can do.
1: Well, and if you're talking about the safeties too, you know, I'm I'm team Malik Verdun fan club, but he was basically matched up with Lachey or all the entire game. Yeah, like big body. Big body. And so Luke Lachey's 6'7". So if you're going to be trying to guard against 6'7", in obvious passing downs, you're going to put 6'4", Malik Verdun on him. Lachey had three catches. One of those was on a play action down the field. which was, I think, 30, a 35-yarder. So, like, you take away that 35-yard catch, he had two catches for 23 yards. He's the best. He's potentially the best tight end in the country. And he had two catches for 23 yards because Malik Verdun was following him around the entire time. Lockdown. And so you're playing really well on defense. And, yeah, th- so it benefits Iowa State on defense when you're able to play that physical against a, a, a team like that, but it also hurts your offense. So, like, that's why the one of the reasons why the game ended up Playing in the style that it did because the refs were were letting it let it be a UFC fight, which lends itself to both defenses and hurts both offenses I, I kind of know how you watch games
0: at this point But I do need to hear what you thought about the pass interference. Iowa State was called on The play I was scored on Um not play drive. I was score. I think they scored a touchdown off that play a was field goal. It that was, was a field goal, goal one.
1: Um, I think it uh, it was it was a right call because He was, and I agree with that. I wasn't bringing it up to hear you. He was. He did hit him. (laughs) He hit him early. But on the other side, I think there is a tendency towards, like, if you're gonna call a pass interference there there are other pass interferences that you probably can call. And I think that was probably once they called that one and they recognized that they didn't call the one on Higgins when Lee was kind of grabbing him by the arm. I, all over I him. think that's the reason why the rest of the game, they basically didn't call anything. is because they realized like, it was slightly inconsistent application of the rule early. So are we gonna let it play? Or are we going to play it? Are we gonna call it really tight? Like what are those, what are we gonna do? And I think they made the decision to let it play a little bit more, which again benefited Iowa State's defense down the road. But I think one other thing, just generally, like, and I wish officials did this more. And but I would say, block charge in basketball, pass interference in football, got to be the two hardest things to call because there's always hand fighting, there's always contact in basket. There's yeah, that. you could always
2: call something at some point. It's, right. What at what point do you let the guys play? Yeah. And one thing I wish though is that technically
1: speaking when the ball goes up in the air the defensive guy has just as much of a right to it as the offensive guy and so on that cooper interception the reason why i think they allowed it is because cooper was in a better receiving position than raggany like he was camped underneath like a punt return and i think if you were to yes his hands were on raggany but raggany's hands were also on him so it's one of those things that like i wish they called more opis in those situations as opposed to just saying there was contact defense's fault but I I I don't think it was a poorly officiated game. It was just more all right. Let let them both play. Hey, yep. stay off each other's face masks and don't hit anybody late. Go for it. Yep. You no, know, you're definitely onto
0: something there cuz like when I was watching you play in college, there was OPI was almost unheard of. Right,
1: which I wish they I wish they just did it more. Like they would call OPIs on like when you'd run a pick play, like an obvious pick play in yep. like the receiver's chest, like you block a linebacker down the field. But other than that, it would very rarely get called. I wish they did more of that to give the defenses more of a shot to, especially to be underneath the play. Like if you're, you know, Jeremiah Cooper and you're going to make an interception and the receiver like grabs you by the arm, that should be an OPI. But a lot of times they won't call that because it's a defensive guy. But that is diatribe that doesn't need to get. That's a wormhole. We don't need necessarily need to travel down. <laughs> absolutely. And once again, we are
0: presented here on football and random things by Whiffles Hybrid. Uh, fine, wonderful people over
1: there. Independent. Chris knows all of them. Independent. Absolutely. Why you, you just do? Why don't you do the Whiffles. I love the the radio reads. So I was calling. I, had, or I was calling Drake. So I, I had watched the first half on TV, and that the first half of the side first half of the sidehock sure. game on TV, and then got in the car and listened to John and Eric call like the third quarter ish as, as I was going to Drake Stadium. And uh, the Whiffle's commercial guy, A+. plus. If you haven't heard the Whiffle's commercial guy, it's unbelievable. I mean, the voice actor it just sounds like he belongs in a TV western with like a giant bucket hat and a huge mustache. I don't know who it is, but I want that guy to have a mustache. We'll have, we'll <laughs> have you imitate him in 10 minutes here. Whiffle's, your independence.
0: <laughs> a lot of P's, <laughs> got it down. A lot of <laughs> P's, a lot of C's. I'm off the hook on all these now. Well, I didn't get a script or anything. I don't know like the words to say. I just have yeah. to say "Presented by Wiffle's Hybrid." Yeah, and hey, you're, you're I'm right also down. supposed to give your insurance co- company and stuff.
2: What do you do? Yeah, I work for uh, Farm Bureau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a cocktail I party? Didn't, I <laughs> didn't even I didn't even know that that's was in, in here. So yeah, I do. Uh, well, I figure you're on the show, Bureau. and we'll we'll give it to you. Yeah, so I do insurance for Farm Bureau Financial Services. Um, we do home, auto, life, health. We do it all. Um, and uh, if you ever have any insurance needs in this crazy market right now. Uh, give me a call you can find my number online you can say your number if you want to five one five six three five one zero
0: five nine there we go he saved Brent Bloom five hundred dollars famously I did so from your standpoint on the Seahawks game how was the offensive line did they make a jump from week one to week two and in, in overall what do you think
2: yeah you know I think that there was some stuff that they did really well um I think I think uh um, we had some we had some great play in certain situations. I think that there's certain situations though that um, just kind of like the whole offense and this whole team, um, we're gonna see growth. Um, that's a really really worthy defense that we went up against, and I think that uh, you know the fact that we were able to keep them off the quarterback and we're able to continue this this sack free football, um, I think that gives you a huge advantage. Woody kind of talked early on about um, falling behind the sticks and in critical situations. Um, that, that really does matter, whether that can knock you out of field goal range or um, it, can, it can lead to big plays. You take a shot on first down and then all of a sudden you're at first and in, first in 20 instead of um, you know, first and 10, If throw the ball away. I think situation, fo- situational football is a huge way to win football. And that offensive line did a great job of saying, hey, we're gonna make sure that we take care of our quarterback and uh, be in situations to do that. Run game, um, that, that's, a, that's a really worthy defense. Um, I think we're going to be able to see some some continued growth there as well. But uh, I think the tackles played well. I think James Neal uh, had a great game. Um, and I think that we're just going to continue to see those guys continue to lead. Um, I think they can, can tell that they're all kind of grinders out there. So they're not going to be guys that lay down. It's fourth quarter. We're still driving the football.
0: Jeffrey, special
1: teams. Um, other than the the blocked kick, which was weird situation because they, like, they were set up and then i think what happened is the snapper moved the ball forward like two feet and so which is usually like pretty typical. pretty allowed yeah. right yeah I, to I, a I'm, point yeah yeah and i'm guessing that he just moved it further than either moved it further than the official wanted or picked it up so like one of the things you can talk about this is you're not supposed to pick the ball up yeah. when you move it you're supposed to slide it yeah. because if you pick the ball up that looks like a snap and so if they if you pick the ball up to move it that's a situation when the referee can step in and say hey reset the reset the snap but if you're doing that then you they didn't reset the play clock and so like the guard wasn't totally set and then i, I think he had logan lee and ya black which is like 700 pounds of dude on each shoulder and his chest got high because he wasn't set like all of those things happened and the operations was a bit slow based on, I would imagine that's also because Contreras saw the ball getting resnapped and he wasn't totally ready for it. So if you wait an extra half a 10th, you know, one, five, one hundredths of a second Lee doesn't or whatever. I mean, Logan Lee might've been the guy that yeah. got a hand on it. Lee doesn't get a finger on it because the ball is off just far enough and just above the outstretched finger. So like, other than that, we talked about it on um, kicking it, which is going to come out after this show uh, but Iowa State won hidden yards, and despite the even if you include the pick six, Iowa State won hidden yards. The average starting field position, if you take away the very last, so if you take away two drives from Iowa because it was the last drive that they just knelt it out, which doesn't really count as an offensive drive, and if you take away the pick six, Iowa's average starting field position on offensive possessions was their own 19, which that's inside a touchback, like that's inside a punt touchback, not even a kickoff touchback. So that was special teams was really good. Um, I also the one other thing and, and we talked about this again in a good amount in kicking. So we'll I'll, I'll stop and special teams after this because we can get to offensive and defensive stuff. But the Jalen Noll had a really bad sequence of three plays. But overall, I don't think he played Was one of those the kick return. Uh, that was the, the only other special so teams was, thing I wanted to hit on. There was this the special the teams, bouncing one. Yeah, and we talk about that a bunch. But the the one where it was a punt and he didn't field it and it cost like an extra ten or fifteen yards, we go into plenty of that. But the thing is, is you automatically get the ball back on a punt, no matter what. If you just don't touch it, if they punt it out of the end zone, if they punt it wherever, they kick it to a fan, you get the ball back. Punt is vo- is volunteering the possession away. So if you don't feel 100% confident that you're going to feel the ball, don't touch it. If you're not 100%, yeah. don't touch it. Because the only way that that goes poorly is if you give the ball, if you touch it and give the ball back, that's the only way. So that was a shank by Tory Taylor and Higgins, or, or not Higgins, uh, Noel got sort of a candy hop, might've been able to feel it, but it was bouncing weird. And he didn't feel like, because... By that point, he'd been catch tackled by Cooper DeJean. He'd been catch run away and then tackled, also I'm pretty sure by Cooper DeJean. So you're expecting, even if the punt's not right, that you're expecting the coverage team to be there because you're either looking at the ball or you're looking at the coverage. You can't be looking at both. So like, if he's looking at the ball, he doesn't know where the coverage is. If I don't feel super confident and I bobble this, then I give the ball to Iowa in plus territory and our defense has allowed like 90 yards in the entire second half, or they they allowed 90 yards in the second half. So like i'm fine with that like i don't love it if you get a candy hop feel it but i don't love or i don't mind letting that one go the one in the end zone that'll be fixed like Mm -hmm. that'll that'll get fixed move on from that one just because uh it's a very easy
2: mental change to get rid of that yeah that was quite the deal (sighs) it's like a pitching wedge just spun right back yeah that's
1: uh that's one where the the change as you just tell your returner the deep returner the the guy whether it's a because the, they usually put one on the, the the goal line and one on the five tell your deep returner your heels are on the on the zero yard line if it's going over your head don't field it if it's going to to you or in front of you go field it that's it don't play at the three and trust that it's going to go overhead so like that's an easy fix.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think our punter, I think we got hit on. Yeah, I, mean, I was just about buckets. to. Perkins. Perkins. He I'll can punt it it. Taylor. He can. That's two in it. a row.
0: This is a year-long battle and Tyler's <laughs> up by two games. We'll see who wins, gets the playoff race. And... I'm just,
1: it, it just amazes me how far he can kick the ball. And it's, he, it's into and with the wind, which is like different techniques that you have to use. You're trying to keep the nose up. When you're with the wind, because it rides the wind further, you're trying to keep the nose down into the wind so you can kind of like penetrate. It's sort of like a, in golf, like a low ball flight, mm-hmm. where you don't want to hang it up super high and have it come down an elevator shaft. Versus with the wind, you do want to hang it up a little bit. And both there was a there wasn't much wind on Saturday, there but was there was some though. There was some, and it was into the wind going to the south end zone, and uh, with the wind going to the north end zone, and just bombed the shit out of both directions. So I, the only thing that I think he's got to continue to work on is like. But you got a huge leg. If you're punting from anywhere, from like, if you're standing on the minus 40 on in, shoot it at one of the goal posts or at one of the pylons. Don't kick it straight down the middle field. I'm like so he,
0: glad you brought this up. I though, think you landed
1: one eight yards deep, which is just
0: angling. So, who I was sitting next to in the press box, I won't say their name, but they were pissed that he uh, touched back to his first punt. It was a yard into the end zone that thing went straight up and one yard back it could not have I mean it was one yard off from being the best punt of the season
1: yeah and it just it, it happens sometimes where like the you, you try and gauge it a little bit but they would the coaching on those is you can if you aim for the back pile depending on which direction you're going if you aim for the back pylon it's gonna it, right-footed punters the ball will curve if you're if you are the punter from the right to the left so right. it's gonna play a little draw if you're so if you're punting towards the left pylon you want to aim to the back pylon because it'll draw out of bounds at the front pylon if you're punting to the right side it's going to draw back so you want to punt to the front pylon and then that'll draw towards it so like either way like field position was not a problem it was offensive execution here and there that was a problem can i ask you real quick where we attribute his growth from
0: year one to year, year two do you think that's just natural development, or do you think that strength coach has something to do with that? Because he, I mean, I feel like he's added 10 yards on every kid. Uh, I would
1: say even more than that. It's, it's Okay, I was conservative with yeah. that. Strength coach, confidence and technique. Uh, it's a lot emotional, of things. Like you're maturity. extremely
2: highly recruited out of yeah, it high school. A heck yeah. so yeah. I think it's just, yeah, definitely like the confidence and just the, the reps. I mean, when you're in high school, you're probably not, you're playing other sports or you've got other stuff going on. So... And when you're in college, you're every single day you're working on your craft, whether that's getting stronger, faster, knowing what you're doing better. And I think that's just, you know, I'm sure he's getting stronger, so he's able to kick the ball harder. But it's just the reps. Hey, if I do it this in this situation, like hey, it's gonna be perfect. And I think he he kind of hammered home on that clearly this off season.
0: All right, Jeff. Uh, we do. I do have a couple random things. Is that okay? Well, There's still, still have to related. play Ohio. Like, yeah, know. One of them is Ohio. Okay. The other one is music related. Which one do you want? Let's do Ohio. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: Let's do Ohio.
0: So this quarterback uh, is back and good again. Apparently. Okay. I, so I'm in this Bet Rivers betting contest. Went 0 and 5 in picks this week. It's the worst week of my life. Nice. I'm ultra competitive, and I I got blown out by the Iowa fan who's playing me. Um, one of my picks was Florida Atlantic over Ohio because of how bad Ohio looked obviously the quarterback made much of a difference because They ended up outright winning and I had FAU to win by six. So What do you think about the Bobcats?
1: So I think we we actually are joined by Bo Blankenship who was at Iowa State and then transferred to Ohio and his He played the the current head coach was his running backs coach. So He's like fairly familiar So if you want some Bobcat information tune into kicking it, which is gonna come out Aiden tomorrow Okay, so it's gonna come out tomorrow um, but what do you, what do I think about the Bobcats? I think when you play lower, lower level air quotes, lower level. So max school versus big 12, the skill positions are going to be just the same. Like you're going to have quality skill positions all the way around because you can find athletes everywhere and they grow and develop and they're fast and whatever, where you have a disadvantage is they don't make lots of Dominic oranges or Tyler on across the country. And most of those guys, uh, consolidate around the bigger programs so where the advantage for iowa state is going to be is size and physicality of both lines and for iowa state defensively the secondary ohio won't see a better secondary all year so they're defensively they also they played ohio played iowa state last year iowa state comfortably won that game and it was the same quarterback so there was there is a talented quarterback they were able to but they were able to put pressure on him get him to be uncomfortable because the defensive line was good with will mcdonald and those guys well i think the defensive line on average across the board is better this year than it was last year even though there is no will mcdonald so i think defensively i feel very confident that they're going to play well and i feel like because you had a lesson in necessary physicality and necessary details against iowa you bring that to the game next week because the tight ends or like it's the tight ends of the offensive line Every once in a while would whiff, or every once in a while wouldn't bring their pad level where they needed to, or every once in a while wouldn't bring enough juice to the party and they get blown backwards. Well, now you have that lesson of this is what it takes to be good. And you're going against a team that doesn't have the talent that Iowa does. So I feel confident that they're going to be able to do it, but there's still talent on Ohio side. I think that two and a half or three and a half line is a little deflated just because of Iowa state having 45 snaps in the first game. And playing iowa in the second game the offense is statistically by power rankings and stuff going to look worse than they really are and i think defensively uh or excuse me and offensively ohio is inflated because they played san diego state and fau they haven't played iowa state
2: yeah they're not going to see a a defense like iowa
0: states all year for sure and i think that's where iowa state got into them last year they kind of played a game like You see in the Hawk game where the defense is waiting for the offense to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. It might have been for the tie, but I'm pretty sure Ohio had a drive deep into Iowa State territory where they either would have tied the game with a touchdown or taken the lead. And Iowa State came up with a massive interception, and that was where the tides kind of changed. Then there was a special teams issue for Ohio, and something else happened where it was like, okay, they're taking themselves
1: out of this game. I think Rourke got sacked a couple of times when he could have thrown the ball away. But that's what, I mean, Haycock, we talk about Phil Parker's defense with Iowa, doing the, hey, just don't, I don't think you can do this. That's what Haycock, especially this year, they're forcing the issue more Mm -hmm. because the secondary is so good. You can roll the dice a little bit more. But in the past years, that's the whole rush three, drop eight. is like, I don't think you're going to be patient enough to throw a five-yard pass 35 times so you're gonna try you're gonna throw it you're gonna throw it it's gonna be at a sack or it's an incompletion or you're gonna throw an interception or you're gonna scramble when you don't need to you're gonna start seeing ghosts so that happened last year but now this year it's a little bit more aggressive but yeah i don't think you can i don't think any college team can drive 15 plays five times in a game no. it's big plays and mistakes which yeah. are what generally beat you and if you just don't stretch those up with this these new clock rules you do Four
0: drives with 15 plays, the game might be over.
2: The third quarter for the Iowa State game, I mean, (laughs) is what? Two drives? Not even Iowa finished their drive in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, I think so.
0: I'd have to double check, but yeah, I hate it. By the way, it is the worst. It feels like it's not a football game; it's a sprint to the finish. So many TV timeouts too. Yeah, my buddy. You know the guy on the field with the sign? That's mm-hmm. my buddy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man. What a job, right? He's got a right? terrible job. Everybody, everybody <laughs> dislikes him. He's, he said the Iowa offensive line was getting into him a lot. <laughs> There's a territorial war going on between snaps, and it was my scrawny ginger friend and the Iowa <laughs>
2: offensive line. Uh, I think one thing, too, just touching on the quarterback for Ohio. I think, I mean, playing in the Big 12 and, and playing the preseason we have, I mean, we've, we've seen a couple of talented quarterbacks already this season. Um, obviously, I would say practice goes against Rocco and, and the slew of quarterbacks every day at practice as well. Um, quarterback is a huge position, and uh, this guy's extremely talented, but I think that fact, there's going to be.
0: The number one prospect in the 2024 CFL draft. It's per their game notes right here. Really? Yeah. I've um, never seen that before. I didn't that, know they'd come up with pre-draft prospects for the, the Canadian League. That, that's good, good knowledge. Yeah. Good for him? Yeah. Question. I think mark? so.
1: I, well, it can't be bad, right? I can't mean, be? it's sort of like you're the tallest second grader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd I, have to set it up like
0: if I were to make an IFL mock draft list. Uh, sure. and sure. We'd, we'd take that level and that would really... Then we'll make... Curtis here. Any anyway, little better about Colin, now. you Sorry. were saying something. Yeah, no.
2: <laughs> back back to what I was saying here, I guess. Um yeah, I mean we see good quarterbacks every day. Good quarterback play with the secondary is, is something that they're used to seeing and um certainly something you have to respect, but I certainly see our defense still being able to go out there and control the pace of this game, um, just just based off of what they're able to do with the secondary and, and seeing some of those guys get after the quarterback here again. I think we'll be able to see some uh, some good production. Well, and, and the other thing that that
1: is in Iowa State's favor in this game is that so Matt Campbell's played three MAC teams, average score of that game is in thirty seven to thirteen, and I think the reason for that is not because Iowa state is substantially better than the Mac teams. I feel like they are talent wise. It's, you know, the recruiting rankings and whatever for what it's worth, but it's the fact that he played in the Mac. So he knows what those teams are going to play or excuse me, coach, coach the Mac for yeah, forever. Yeah. So he's, he knows what those teams are going to bring to the party. He knows how they're going to be attacking this game and knows to not let he can, he doesn't take any of these Mac games for granted because he understands what the other side feels about this. Yep. So, despite you coming off the Iowa game, emotional quote letdown. This is not going to be an emotional letdown. This is not going to be a well. Let's just you know, because as coaches, every once in a while, going to go through the motions and just say, ah, you know, they they say each we got to treat every team with respect. They're humans too. Like mm-hmm. there, it happens where they come out with lack, slight lack of intensity or focused or whatever. This is not going to be one of those weeks because Campbell played or coached in the MAC for so long and understands what this means to them. Understanding how much you have to bring to the party to match that intensity I don't feel like this is going to be a letdown week I don't feel like this is going to be a you show up and expect to win and Not have to try.
2: Yeah, and well, we have a lot of young guys, too This is huge opportunities for them to go out there and get reps I mean, it's another opportunity for them to go out there and get a little bit more confident before we get in the big 12 play um, And you can't look over over this game and it's another opportunity to get better.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the big part is like there's not many uh, group of five teams that are hosting power five teams, and I hate using that distinction. It's all the same league. I think if you go undefeated, no matter what school you're at at the top 130 there in the FBS, you should be in the playoff no matter what. Um, but rarely is a Mac school going to host a big 12 team, and that's their stadium is going to be – this is, will be the biggest crowd they've had. I don't know what their average crowds are like. Didn't bring my magazine today. Uh, but this is going to be their – quote-unquote Super Bowl, to really put it precisely, especially with being 2-1 and one already, and they want to prove that they're decent enough, especially if you win the MAC, you want a better bowl game.
2: This is huge for Ohio. I've heard a fair amount of Cyclone fans traveling out to this game as well. It's a long drive. I think it's nine hours. Really? Yeah. For that's driving, dedication. it's not
1: too bad. Nine
0: hours? Oh, it's, I've, I've done 15. You're it's, doing a day. it's not very fun, but yeah. Dropped, I, dropped. I just figure it like sounds closer than it is. Yeah. Ohio always does cuz there's a dirt track out there I go to once or twice a year and it's flat nine and you're just like man the last 2 hours just
1: drag. <laughs> Indiana's a long state or a, a wide state. Um no, I think I'm I'm interested I'm interested to see how the offense gets to play in a situation where they've had a couple snaps now. We know that Rocco's the guy. We know that uh Norton and Sama are the guys. Mm -hmm. You know who your five are probably going to be on the offensive line. You've played enough, and now you're not playing a team that has YA Black on the defensive line, or you're not playing against Cooper DeGene, or you're not playing against guys that are going to be, I think both those two guys, I think Cooper DeGene's probably going to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL draft this year, and YA Black is probably going to be a top-three-round draft pick whenever he's eligible. Like it's a The Iowa's defense is really good, and You and I, first game out, no idea what you're going to expect. A lot of young guys, knew everything. So this is I'm excited to see what this offense looks like because this, I feel like, will be a truer picture, although not the truest picture because you still need a little bit of time. It'll be a truer picture of what this offense is going to be by the end of the year because of the circumstances they've had in the first couple weeks. So I'm excited to see the offense not as tight as they were. And also one thing, just speaking of offense, one statistic that people are going to probably have, like the, the well actuallys, on the internet. Um, I believe Ohio allowed five rushing yards against FAU, which just, you know, quote, doesn't bode well against Iowa state. Uh, but FAU only attempted 11 rushes. So it's not really that big of a deal. Now it's half yard per carry. Oh, cool. But it's 11 rushes on everything else. It's the the offensive system is not set up to do that. Yeah. So it's, it's not quite really apples to apples. Defense is good. Yes. But again, they haven't played this level of physicality and size as what they're going to bring in, but I do expect good execution, a lot of fight, a lot of discipline. It's just Iowa State, I think, is going to be more powerful and more consistent over time. Absolutely, and I I wrote about on Saturday uh, just Rocco and and
0: keeping him in that game after throwing that interception how much that helps his foundation and trust in Coach Campbell, and that's going to be huge this week, especially I said that was the only Power 5 defense he's faced. Well, now you're back to a MAC defense that you're Facing off with here, how many times is he going to go for a big, big play? Go for, uh, I guess, take a shot, take a chance, um, and plays like that. And how many carries are we going to see out of those three running backs that aren't Abusama and Cartavius Norton? That's really what I'm looking for uh, on Saturday. How about you? Like with the offensive line, what do you want to see out of them? And where's where's your top five going? Uh, Yeah at this point I
2: I think that that offensive line has showed that they can do some things Um, I think that they've they've shown that they come out and they can move people I think uh, I think this is a great week just to get back on on track and um, you know fix and flush I think that's one of the biggest things that you have to do it's a long football season Um, it's one football game and we still have the big 12 ahead of us but we have this game right now and what better way to get a little bit of confidence going into big 12 play than coming out and dominating. Being able to say, hey, we're going to take control of this game and we're going to put it on our backs. We're going to be able to run the ball and we're going to continue to keep Rocco clean. Um, it, it's such a momentum game. You know, football football, is, and any sport really is, hey, can you get a little bit of confidence and a little bit of momentum going? What? No, nothing can stop you if you start to get a little bit of confidence and momentum going. So I think that they'll be able to continue to keep the quarterback clean and I think they'll just be able to take another step forward of, um, hey, we're, we're, the, we're this unit um, and we gotta we gotta continue to grow and and get some dudes moved.
0: Yeah, and we'll see uh, how they come out on Saturday. Um, I'm about to go up to Ames, talk to Matt Campbell, see what's uh, see what's up with Gary Vaughn. Um, that's kind of the biggest storyline going into today. I don't think I'm going to ask him about George Strait playing at Jack Trice. Though
1: he might have a good answer. I feel like he 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 might be a George Strait guy. Like he's a really yeah. '80s metal guy, but it feels like he could be a George Strait guy. The only I this one you you're saying thing about Rocco and kind of the the faith of how leaving him in I would like to say this and I'm gonna address the uh a, there's a, a small contingent of every fan base who is a bench the quarterback fire the coach guy you're wrong that's it okay now here's we're not, why we're
0: not contesting you on that we're, so we're here's why you.
1: if there is the bench the quarterback fire the coach guy um one it is much easier to uh bench the quarterback and order to fire the coach yes but at the same time it is with with a quarterback one of the things that has to happen is you have to be free enough and confident enough to be in an offense because you have to process a ton and if you are doing what you think you should do then the so like the pick six that Rocco threw on paper the right throw because it's cover four, they're in cover four, the corner's gonna get out of there, both safeties are gonna get out of there, and the linebacker who is inside is going to be the one that has to cover the flat. So on paper, you draw it on paper, that out route should be open. I trust that my running back is going to get more width than the linebacker. I'm gonna be able to make that throw. On paper, that's what I should do. In reality, it's not. Now, why? if, if you are in the bench the quarterback, fire the coach guy, what mindset do you think that puts the quarterback in if every time something bad happens, you yank him for somebody else? Then he has to start thinking, "Uh uh-oh, if I make the wrong read, if I make the wrong play, I'm going to get pulled. And so you start going to that on paper, this looks like it should be there because you don't have enough confidence to feel the game out. You feel like the pressure of, I must do this perfectly. What does the coach want to see from me? What is this play? What's the intention of this play? And then you start throwing those passes that don't actually make sense in reality, but they make sense on paper because you're trying to do what you think the coach might want. Mm -hmm. So when a quarterback is playing poorly, don't pull him. Because that the instilling of confidence that I want you to be able to take chances because technically speaking, that pass should have not gone there. It it should by read that that's the right that's the right throw by execution it's not. So I got to trust you to feel this game out to know that you're not going to get pulled every time you take a chance to do something that might work on the field but doesn't work on paper. So bench the quarterback guy. All right, every time that you make one mistake in your job, you get fired one every single time no matter what it is hey maybe maybe not even fired there's somebody walking around behind you with a small baseball bat that you get from like the iCubs little (laughs) store and every time you make a mistake that person just smacks you in the back of the head with it every single time what are you are you going to play being the guy who hits him is going to be kind of fun but what do you think your perception if knowing that you're going to get hit in the back of the head every single time you make a mistake are you going to take any chances ever are you going to try and do something Uh, are you going to try and be competitive or are you going to try and just minimize the screw-ups? Yep. That's what happens. So bench the quarterback, fire the coach guy, you're wrong. Point blank, plain and simple. If there's a time when the quarterback has been bad for several weeks in a row, sure. At that point, it might make sense because the rest of the team needs the confidence that instilling a new position is going to be in. But if there's, if a quarterback has been bad for a drive or two, or even a game, You cannot pull him because confidence is a huge thing. So I'm talking to you again, bench the quarterback, fire the coach guy. You're wrong. Get off the internet, go take a walk, breathe for a little bit, look in the mirror and say, you're better than this. I would urge people to look at their laptops and watch the 2011 UConn game. The steel chance, the three interceptions, interceptions. three interceptions on four passes comes back to win the game. It's just confidence to be free enough that you're gonna go. I can go out and take some chances. I can make the play that I think I need to make. Did because, Josh Lenz throw one of those passes? Uh, the interceptions? No, Steele had no, 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 not one of the interceptions. Oh, touchdowns! I think he threw one to Ernst. Was it Ernst or Darius? I don't remember. I know Darius made. Darius jumped over a guy that that was broke cool. his ankles. Yeah, was that was <laughs> cool. That was cool. But yeah, that's that's just one thing. Is that like you lose one game, the world's not on fire, the sky is not falling, Chicken Little receive yourself because when actual fury needs to happen we'll tap you in but this is not an actual fury moment it's a new coaching staff with new running backs with new quarterbacks with new offensive line coach with a new set of tight ends with new set of wide receivers they're playing the best defense in one of the best defenses in america it's not great it's but growing growing r-e-l-a-x relax I like it. One more thing, Colin. Jeff
0: doesn't want to do the music question. I'll do it to you. So oh you, gosh, know, you would I'm know you I'm not a big music guy. When you were in, when you were playing, yeah. usually the stadium would play Juicy Wiggle in the fourth quarter after Iowa State has imposed their will to the point where this game is over. We're playing Juicy Wiggle. Yep. On Saturday, they played it in a Hilton Magic type of feel rally back with Juicy Wiggle. Do you support that or are you against it? I've been getting mixed reviews. I've been all over the Cyclone Fanatic forums. There's
2: a 27 page thread on it i i to that stuff honestly i'm i'm more of the football guy that stuff is whatever i is. was hoping i'd get a fun
0: answer out either but
2: uh, okay. if it fires semantically it is up, it, I guess. semantically
0: it is whatever what can it hurt yeah right? like you weren't you were either gonna play it or just not play it and yeah you know, have everyone. Sit people there, be get excited, I guess. Yeah. but
2: there are definitely people around me that are like, why are we doing this right now? I' was probably oh. a little bit more like what are we doing right now? like let's go win this football game and then we can celebrate with juicy Wiggle. Um, but I do like that that I guess that that'd be my take. Jeff. I don't care. I had to throw a random. Thing. I don't care. We didn't get
1: enough. i uh I don't know. I think one of the things that I wish that I hope or not wish in the operations group, can we update the stadium music? A little, like bring in a little bit newer songs, not necessarily uh, getting some like uh, the Clash, like just something that's just a little bit newer to get the guys on the field some energy because if they play with energy, the crowd gets energy. We've gone away from Swag Surf, and I think that needs that to, needs to come back. Yeah, that Archie Versol, cool. like the stuff that like gets eighteen to twenty-two year old kids excited. And those and songs energy. aren't even new. No, but know? I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very. I I don't care as much. Uh, but stadium environment wise, I'm very pro play what would get the players going, and by doing that, you get the fans going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's my take. But I'm also not dealing with licensing or censoring and music cutting and whatever. <laughs> it's not my job. So I don't know. I, Jack Trice, Hilton, both terrific places to play a football game. Basketball you punch. think Hilton too? Well, football game, there. great place to play a football game. <laughs> We're getting yeah. arena little football tight field in there. I know, I know, a guy, a little tight, but anyway, no, I it's fine to get people excited. Uh, cool, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, you guys Same made, a, thing. made
0: a mockery of my and now, care, I my care about the game day experience. Yeah, no, I get it. Hopefully parking's better next home game. But next episode, we'll be back with plenty of more uh, random things, I'm sure, uh, coming off Ohio and going into the OSU game. I'm really excited to break that one down and see what kind of quarterbacks we get out of them. But can't look ahead. Two-and-a-half-point favorite, I think, Saturday at Ohio, 11 a.m. ESPNU. Uh, And once again, we were presented by Wiffles Hybrid today. So thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys. See you next week. Go Clones.